Hey y'all, this is Benny, the host of the Last Week at Podcast. Before we really get into this week's episode, I just wanted to say that it's been great fun for me and my co-host Mayank to use this podcast as a medium to chat with an incredible area of guests from all over the world on a variety of topics in the cricketing universe. For a couple of amateur podcasters, this is all possible due to Spotify for podcasters. And if you want to get in on this as well, here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer, so no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then, you can distribute your podcast to Spotify and everywhere else podcasts are heard. As added features, video podcasts are also now available on Spotify. And when you want to take conversations with your fans to the next level, Q&A and polls are the best way to get them talking. With Spotify for Podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. So if you have an idea for a podcast, give it a try. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com podcasters to get started. Welcome to The Last Wicked. My name is Benny, and I'm joined by my co-host, Mayank. And our special guest is actually someone who is familiar with the podcast. He is a returning guest, after all. Uh, host of the popular YouTube show, Gupship with Gil. It's Gurkirat Singh Gil himself. Gurkirat, welcome back to The Last Wicked. Thank you, Benny. Uh, I'm not sure how popular that show is. <laughs> well, I'm telling you, it's popular. So, <laughs> <laughs> but, but or we can say, and sometimes uh, TV personality, Gurkirat Singh. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's uh, kind of you to mention that, uh, that it's popular. Uh, been on hold for some time. I think once the IPL is done, I'll start uh, resuming it. But thank you so much for inviting me once again. I had a great time last, last time I was here. I remember Himanish also being on the show who, you know, mm-hmm. always has his own set of questions which which make for an interesting conversation always. And uh, yeah, right. that, that, that person, someone who I have uh, uh, a lot of a lot of time and respect for given how much deep he goes into his analysis. And uh, yeah, g- g- missing him on the podcast, but I think never mind this. This is going to be a good conversation just like last time. Right. And I'm looking forward to it as well. So... Let's jump into it. All right. Thanks, Rukhirat, for joining. So I think the first question that we were thinking about is, you know, obviously IPL has gone from an eight-team tournament to a 10-team tournament this season, which means a lot of players who, you know, were not getting as many games last year are now in starting 11s. Um, Obviously, this is great for some of the youngsters. um, And many of the games have been very exciting even then. 
But what do you think of the quality of the tournament? Has it? Do you feel it's gone down a little bit, or do you think it's still pretty solid? See, uh, in terms of if you if you see the teams that have been constructed, uh, there are far more uh, gaping holes in every team than what you are used to, as opposed to in an eight-team IPL because the at the time of the auction or post auction you can tell which team you know is is more rounded this time you really haven't had that case apart from one team which is which i felt was lucknow who who were pretty rounded but they despite being rounded didn't have good enough backups so apart from that i don't think that there's any team which doesn't have any gaping holes or you know is completely rounded so in that terms yes you could say that the quality might have gone down a little but Here's the thing: sometimes competitiveness doesn't have a lot to do with quality, and uh, you know because there are teams who who have gaping holes and stru- are structurally flawed, you you are going to see close matches as we have seen in this IPL. But yes, I I don't think anyone expected that Mumbai Indians would have lost eight in eight or Chennai would have lost five in their first seven games, despite them having obvious gaping holes. But at the same time, these two teams are such that they can afford a season like this because they have won five and four uh, ti- IPL titles along with two CL T20s respectively. So their brand doesn't take that much of a hit. If say it was some other team, say if it was an RCB or a Delhi or a Punjab who still haven't won anything, so uh, for for these teams it would have been difficult. And uh, you know, for for new teams anyway, a bad start would would have meant uh, would have meant a a hit on a brand value straight away so good to see those two teams do well but uh, yeah overall i feel the quality might have da- gone down a little but the competitiveness is there uh, that's for sure uh, speaking as a, a long term csk fan this season has felt particularly long to me and it's only like halfway through uh, but that also kind of you know brings up the uh, the topic of how long should an ideal t20 tournament how long should they be because there there's been some you know in some corners of the internet there has been this argument that the tournament goes on too long and that can kind of cause viewers to kind of get bored and switch off and especially in the middle phase of the tournament they say that there's kind of a lull where you know people kind of drift away and then they come back towards the end uh, what what do you think about the length of the tournament particularly this year Oh well it's it's not going to be ideal when you move from 8 to 10 teams and this time there are only 14 games uh, each team next season you'll probably have 18 so uh, that that would mean 18 into uh, 10 one that that would roughly mean 90 games and uh, which would right. probably mean another at, at the very least another two weeks being added so uh, it's it's something that i think people will get used to because when the ipl began uh, even in the initial years the first 2 3 years or 4 5 years there were a lot of talks about uh, the length being very long and the length of the ipl affecting uh, the performance of uh, of the indian team because there's fatigue etc etc but i think now the talent pool is much wider where you can rotate the players and uh, honestly it's it's something that you know even if you don't like you can't avoid because at the end of the day uh, the ipl is paying the bills for 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 a large amount of cricketers it's paying the bills for the bcci and it's ensuring that there's enough money uh, generated in in the indian cricket ecosystem for the the cricket for, 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 
enough money being generated so that the the game as a whole can develop not only in india but uh, in the whole world entirely if you see it if if you if you look at it that point of if you look at look at it from that point of view however having said that it's very important to to see what is the intent of of the bcci and the other stakeholders which are involved in in the ipl uh, is there intent to spread the ipl or is there intent to you know uh, make cricket a more global sport through the money that comes in that is something which is entirely different but whether we may like it or not like it the ipl is only going to get bigger in fact what i see is that 5 years from from now or maybe 10 years from now you might even have a relegation system like you have in the epl where the bottom two or the bottom three teams being relegated to right. the uh, to right. the league below and then the top two three teams being promoted to the league above because that many cricketers are there uh, what we have seen in terms of quality is that the indian cricketers uh, you know th- there have been uncapped cricketers who've come up in this ipl who've come up but what 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 has made the right. franchisees struggle is i think three franchisees have only seven overseas cricketers as a uh, as uh, as a, as opposed to eight which they can have which actually shows that franchisees are still reluctant to pick cricketers from associate countries this i think this is the first time that you have four or five cricketers from sri lanka in the last four or five ipls right so if the ipl is going to get bigger if there are going to be more mm-hmm. matches which would also mean that Uh, the squad size which is uh, restricted to 25 right now it might increase to 30 which might mean that the overseas players might increase from 8 to 10 so it's it's going to help eventually all most cricketers who are there in the ecosystem uh, but yes at the same time it is going to create a conflict uh, with when, when it when it's going to come between international cricket and ipl because the south african cricketers did choose to play the ipl and not play the uh, bangladesh test matches which is going to happen right. a lot more if the boards also don't ensure that they are self sufficient and they are not earning enough on their own right and i and i and i think that's an important point you know especially the stakeholders of the game uh, in india you have the fans you have the administrators but also the people whose livelihoods depend on uh, this tournament and i i remember this conversation came into play you know so last year feels like a lifetime ago when you know the tournament had to be paused midway and uh because of the the pandemic and a lot of the people who's you know the groundsmen or you know anybody working in the peripheral they do not have any source of income so i don't know it's you know for all the points that you mentioned it, it is you know valid the importance of ipl uh, at least for indian cricket um so yeah we'll we'll see how it shapes up i think it'll continue to evolve and its place in the calendar i think will always continue to be a source of discussion and debate but gurkeer we wanted to talk to you today uh about specifically the struggles that cricketers go through the struggles that established cricketers go through because i feel there's always extra scrutiny on them right um just because of their achievements in the past there is this expectation that they need to con- perform consistently at that level um and when they don't and especially for a prolonged period of time there's a lot of everybody has everybody has a their opinion everybody has their thought right so for example someone like uh Virat Kohli let's say you know everybody and their grandma has an opinion on what he should do you know with the most common refrain being that he needs a break from cricket i'm just curious 
what are your thoughts on, you know, just observing him, you know, not just in the IPL, but in international cricket recently? What are your thoughts on what Kohli is going through? So the one thing that I've noticed is that the the confidence is missing for sure. Uh, the if you if you compare him uh, with how he used to bat in 2019 and in 2020 or even before there was a certain sense of confidence in his batting. You could you were assured that on most days even when he's struggling he's going to score a 40. Right? Uh, he also had a little bit of luck factor going right. his way where you know he wouldn't get right. dismissed to the first mistake that he would make. But uh, if you if you particularly look at this IPL, I'm not talking about the 2021 year because in 2021 he did play some good innings. He 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 had a good series versus England uh, at home in the ODI series as well as T20s. Uh, I suppose he was the man of the tournament in that T20 series. Uh, in Test matches he had two good innings in uh, in Chennai, both in Chennai. Then he batted well in the World Test Championship first innings, and he had two fifties in England along with the forty. In uh, along with the 40 as well. And if you go to South Africa, Cape Town, he batted very well, ran out of partners or he probably would have had that 100. I think once his captaincy is, when, once he's left the captaincy or it's been taken away, whatever you want to call it, uh, since then, you know, his, his earlier it was lack of centuries. Now it's down to lack of runs. And now when you see him bat, you do feel there's a certain lack of confidence somewhere because the same aura or the same... Uh, kind of imposing body language is not there. Now, I'm not sure why is that the case. I've not played cricket at the highest level. So, I, I really right. don't know if it's because of lack of runs. Whatever I'm going to say is probably going to be conjecture that maybe this is because of this or maybe that. But I'm not sure how a, how a break is going to help. Because before the IPL, he did take a four-match break, right? He, he, uh, he didn't play the Sri Lanka T20s and he was given a break after the second T20 versus West Indies. Now, I am not sure how much of a long break uh, can he afford as well because he also knows that in the T20 format, there are a lot of people who are breathing down his neck. They are, there are a lot of people who are going to, you know, uh, who are going to be there to, to make, a, make a spot for the, for, for the num- make a stake for the number three spot. And even if you look at it, uh, he took a break for the, uh, for the three T20s versus New Zealand just after the World Cup and the first test match. So it's not that he's not had breaks. He's had breaks. And I'm not sure if break is going to give him, uh, you know, that confidence back. I, I just feel that the only way he can return to form is just by playing more and more cricket and hoping that he scores some runs somewhere, uh, which is which is and which is only going to happen if he plays cricket. So I'm, I'm really not sure if a break is going to help because if you see him otherwise, if you see him when he's in the dugout or when he's fielding, it's it's not like that he's he's not charged up. He, there was this video doing the rounds after the Delhi game where once Warner was given out uh, on the DRS referral, uh, he celebrated like an absolute madman, which he used to do even when he was scoring runs. So I'm not right. sure if a break is going to help because the energy is still there. He's still involved in the game. So yeah, it's it's some it's probably the easiest solution that everyone is is offering and looks forward to, and it's gotten even more weight with. You know, someone like uh, Ravi Shastri saying the same, but I am not sure about it. I I think that uh, more than anything, I think it, it comes from a place where people don't want to see him struggle anymore. So I feel like they think if he takes a break, we don't have to watch him struggle anymore. I don't know. Uh, I'm just making assumptions here. Maybe um, maybe it's 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 to do with that, but I just think that he needs to play more and get back in touch because a break is going to further take him away. 
from that touch it's it's not that it's not easy that you come from a break and uh, there was someone suggesting that he takes a 2 3 match break in the IPL itself again uh, what's a break going to do if you're going to stay in the bubble uh, right it's, it's, yeah. it's not going to serve any purpose well the other thing too i wonder if t20s are a good place or a good format to work out your issues because it doesn't really give you time to just settle in play yourself in and i wonder especially with you know the last two games he had the first ball dismissal especially the last one where it was that old familiar failing of uh virat where you know just playing outside off and you know giving catch practice um i i just wonder how much of it is you know desperation just like you know get that bat on ball get moving get get things going and he doesn't really have the luxury of playing himself in so do you think it when a player is going through something like that it is almost counterproductive to you know to battle to just stay in there and battle but nothing is going well for you yeah i i do think a few of his dismissals do have to do something with the desperation because he's also been run out twice and uh, mm. yeah so there there's desperation the desperation for sure uh and with with players like virat who are far more instinctive than than what you would see with with other cricketers or and batting at itself is a is a very instinctive it's instinctive thing you you just see the ball and then you react so and a lot of that reaction is down to your instinct which is why you know there is so much of conversation about how you should take a few balls to get your eye in and then your instincts take over so i think with with virat it's always been about you know uh, letting his instincts take over because even when he was doing well it's not that he shunned the cover drive he was scoring a lot of runs through the cover drive and even when he's not scored a century in the last two years it's it's still been the most productive shot for him so i think now that there there has been complete drying up of runs uh, he's he started to think a lot more and that desperation is probably forcing him to play at balls which he would have left alone and that same desperation is now making him think a little more uh, about his short selection and making him doubt that and i think uh, like i said because batting is such a reactive thing if you if you start taking that extra second to to be doubtful of your short selection eventually it's going to look you know it, it's going to give away in your batting because you you'll struggle to time the ball you will get beaten and uh, you know him he's also someone who's very expressive so the the reactions that he give gives after the dismissal also don't paint a paint a good picture they they also you know reflect a muddled mindset which is which is what is leading to everyone you know and like you said maybe people don't want to see him struggle that they're suggesting that he should take a break but i i, I really don't know what what's the solution is but i do feel that break is not the solution um so let's also talk about rohit sharma and now he's also had a you know horrible tournament himself apart from a couple of starts uh form also seems to have deserted him and on top of that mumbai indians are you know clearly not doing well they've eight losses in eight games um do you think mumbai also starts things if uh, they need to start thinking about another ipl captain uh, i i don't think that they they are going to start thinking of another new ipl captain uh because a lot of their struggles are not related to captaincy in this season their struggles are related to how they did at the auctions see with with all due respect to unath kat basil thampi and uh, murugan ashwin they are probably not even in the best 30 or maybe 40 cricket, uh, cricketers in uh, t20 cricketers in the country 
and they are making the mi11 uh, regularly so that that is there that is a problem there uh, their problem with rohit is more with his batting and not really with his captaincy and uh, his batting's been letting them down for 5 6 seasons now so uh, yeah. yeah so and then you know pollard's also not not clicked this season so i don't think changing a captain really is going to help them uh, i also think that they 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 banked a lot of on uh, you know someone like ishan kishan who's who's still developing and they expected him to carry them through which has not happened so their struggles are not related to captaincy as such uh, as much as with the la- it is with the lack of performance of the players that they went retained and went hard after uh, apart from surya and bumrah there's no one uh, from that older core who's turned up and uh, in the new players as well uh, they they they've also had muddled thinking they dropped tim david after two matches uh, they dropped fabian allen after one game uh, which which really doesn't make any sense if you look at it uh, tim david didn't two match anyone can fail in two matches and one of those dismissals was was to use vinder chahal and he's not used to playing that much of spin so uh, like i said a lot of it is just muddled thinking and i don't think changing the captains really going to help mumbai indians sorry that's going to so what about roj sharma himself though uh, as you said he struggled for a few seasons i think statistics have shown that his numbers and rahane's numbers in 2017 are basically identical um what do we do about roj sharma the opener uh, and I, i guess this is also a question from india's perspective as they head into the t20 world cup for 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 this t20 world cup you you have to back him and you know hope that he comes good because he's also your captain and uh, he's one of the better players of pace bowling that you have him him and virat regardless of how they are shaping up they have to be in your squad because it's one thing to score runs in india or in the subcontinent it's entirely another to score runs in australia where uh, you know the bounce is too much and the pace is much quicker than what you what you play in in the subcontinent so as of now there is no option but to stick with both of them and this is where i think india have been slightly unlucky if if there was no covid they would have played the australia t20 world cup in 2020 and then they could have easily asked both rohit and virat to you know uh, leave the scene and let youngsters take over because there are far too many players waiting in the wings who can come and uh, do a better job at least in the subcontinent conditions i can i can think of at least five names so uh, but i think for australia you'll have to stick with both of them and hope that they come good I don't mind uh in fact I I agree with you completely that this is not the time to make a radical change by dropping as some sections of the internet would uh want to drop both Rohit and and Kohli I I think it's it's almost reactionary you know just based on how it's going currently and not looking at the whole picture but it it does raise this question though because Do you see anything technical that these two players need to work on just based on recent evidence? With regards to Rohit no because Rohit although has not scored runs he's looked he's looked in decent touch if you see it's it's not that he's right. looked like he can't put back to ball and in the last one year if you see uh, one one and one and a half year Rohit did did well in test matches in Australia he did well in test matches in England he did well in test matches at home and you felt his absence in south africa so uh, it's it's not like that rohit has and the first match that rohit played against west indies 
the the ODI uh, that he played. He looked in brilliant touch. So I don't think with Rohit there's any technical issue. If anything, Rohit has become better technically. Uh, with Virat, uh, there has always been an over reliance on on his front foot, which is you know affected his te- test game as well, uh, which which many have pointed out, which has led to him not scoring enough square on the offside, right? But I think now. It, there's there's not much that you can do about it. Uh, if you if you're going to talk about his struggles in test matches or lack of hundreds, uh, that it's it's been it's been uh, argued on the basis of numbers that he's he's not had the same luck that he's had before because he's gotten out to uh, to to uh, fall shots far more earlier than what he did. And uh, I, I I just say this one thing that you need to go back and watch that innings in Cape Town. Uh, the first innings where he batted brilliantly, and even in the second innings, he was batting with a lot of restraint. He batted well in England also, but not not with the success that you need in terms of numbers. But he did play some important innings, and I was there in the first Test match at Mohali, uh, which was his hundredth Test match, and he he batted fine. Uh, he he's he's struggling against spin somewhere because uh, there is obviously not uh, there is obviously some struggle with the. When it comes to attacking spin, and I think that is affecting his defensive game as well, because now he knows that he really doesn't have those many attacking shots. That you know he's he's not able to dictate terms against spin, which is which is what is let, letting him you know which is letting his to his downfall in Test matches. And then he's he's also had some unlucky decisions, uh, the LBW against Ajaz Patel in Mumbai, where he clearly hit it, and then he was given LBW. Or if you look at his dismissal versus Dhananjay De Silva in the first innings. Uh, in Bangalore, first Test match, the ball, you know, not even uh, bouncing more than his feet, uh, and it was it was almost a short of a length delivery. So he's he's also been unlucky somewhere, but I do think that the only that that he has some few issues against spin, but not really against pace bowling. Uh, maybe he's it's also because he stopped playing the sweep altogether against spin bowling, which he used to in between when he was scoring a lot of runs. But uh, there are some concerns against spin. Especially when it comes to attacking spin, but I don't think there are any concerns when it comes to uh, batting against pace bowling. I think he's 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 still doing decently. Yeah, you know, with uh, the likes of Joss Butler and KL Rahul, you know, just scoring runs for fun. There's been a lot of uh, you know people t- bringing up the 2016 version of Virat Kohli and you know the form he was in, 973 runs, four centuries in a single edition, and good memories but at the same time it's kind of painful when you put that version of Kohli versus the current version and yeah I'm sure all Indian fans and I think all cricket fans would love to see a Virat Kohli in full flow so hopefully that happens uh, but but Gurkir, uh again as a I'm being partial here but as a CSK fan the player that's causing me the most concern right now is actually uh, Ravindra Jadeja you know he was appointed uh, CSK's skipper just days before the start of the tournament and since then he has looked a very different player to the usual one that fans love to watch. He hasn't looked threatening with a bat or ball but most alarmingly his catching has seemed to have got worse. Um, I think captaincy has not been a natural fit for him. I think he's got too many things in his mind. It's affecting his primary skills. Would you agree with that assessment? To some extent, yes. I think uh, he was also uh, he was also thrown a dummy in terms in terms of being given the captaincy just two days before because 
if you look at the auctions and it, it didn't look like that Jadeja was involved in the in the picks because they went to the same players again they went to Raidu they went back to uh, buying Uthappa they went back to buying Satner they went back to buying Jagadishan they went back to buying uh, uh, buying Deepak Chahar so it, it really didn't look like like Jadeja was involved in the auctions as such right so uh, that is that is one they they also bought back bravo so the, these these players and yeah. all of them are, are 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 on the wrong side of of 30 you'd say or probably even the wrong side of 35 so uh, jadeja was sold a dummy in in a few ways then you know when when you have the presence of someone like ms dhoni it's very hard to make your own presence felt so he was always going to be yeah. under that shadow and i think from the second game itself which was against lucknow where Shivam Dubey bowled that over. You see that MS Dhoni had started taking over. I thought that affected his confidence. And when it comes to Jadeja with the ball in T20s, it's, he's that is one aspect of his game which I'm never confident about. I don't think he's a four-overs bowler. And I've been saying this 2020 IPL, that he's he's not your four-overs bowler in T20s because he's too one-dimensional. You have to look at the game versus Mumbai uh, where a debutant like Ritik Shokin out-bowled him. When, even when he was bowling second and Jadeja was bowling first when uh, M, when MI were four down. Uh, Jadeja bowled from over, bowled after the power play and finished his quota in the 13th over. In those seven overs, uh, Mumbai, had bowled, Mumbai had scored 42 runs with Jadeja giving 30 runs off of his four overs when they were four down. So while on paper it might look like, okay, he's done a decent job by only giving four over, uh, 30 runs in his four overs, you have to see at what phase he's given those 30 runs. So with Jadeja, uh, Jadeja with the ball is some is is something which I am never confident of. But with the with Jadeja with the bat this season is something that I've been disappointed with, and I think partly it's got to do with uh, you know the pressure of the pressure of captaincy because uh, you know like I said it's very difficult to make your own presence felt as a captain or as a leader, especially when there's MS Dhoni in in the same dressing room. And, you know, you, you see that the conversation is also about how Jadeja is probably a captain on paper. Or, you know, when you see uh, MS Dhoni, you know, talking to the bowler when it should ideally be Jadeja. And then the camera right. camera panning on Dhoni also doesn't help. So, he's he's looked def- he's definitely looked muddled. But I do feel that somewhere Jadeja has also lagged uh, the game awareness. And the it's always been evident, especially when he's batting with the tail in test matches. So it's been a combination of a lot of factors. His own game awareness, uh, his his own confidence, and then uh, you know his his bowling's obviously been on a downhill. So I think a combination of and then the team's team not getting results because uh, largely even even through ex cricketers or cricket experts, the discourse with regards to captaincy is is very simple. Team wins, good captain. Team loses, bad captain. Uh, which which never helped. Yeah. So uh, that that's also been the case with Jadeja. So I I just say uh, I I just ask CSK fans and Indian cricket fans to go easy on him this season. Maybe if he's committing the same mistakes next season, is is what is when you can you know criticize him. But this season, I think it's very difficult for him to just even get out of the shadow of MS Dhoni because uh, that I think itself is is going to take a lot of toll. No. I- I, I agree. I mean, I've, I've always felt that uh, when it comes to T20s, I feel like it's very easy to kind of just make this assumption that Jadeja should be super amazing in, in this format because he's he's a natural athlete. He takes these amazing catches, affects these amazing runouts. 
he can hit these big blows and you know and then we think of Jadeja the test bowler and somehow that all you know makes it look like he should be mastering this format so I just wonder how much of it is just expectations which are probably not really aligned with reality in his case the expectations with this bowling are, are definitely don't align with the ra- reality for sure because uh, you know you have to look at how ms was using him uh, even in the 2019 and the 2020 season or the 2021 season as a bowler he was only giving him him the ball when the matchup was in jadeja's favor also you know giving him the ball when you know it was long boundary on one side so that jadeja could have that comfort because uh, right. i think a lot of Jadeja's numbers as a spinner also in T20s also need to be taken in context with the slow pitches in Chepok, right? Without that, it's it's difficult to, you know, just say that Jadeja's been a good spinner in T20s. He's, he's not been. And he's definitely struggled. Even if you look at the economy rates, uh, Krunal Pandya's had a better economy rate. I just think because Jadeja's so good with his with the ball in in test matches we, where he's averaging 25 and, you know, if, if you actually compare his numbers the numbers are pretty much comparable to someone like Kapil Dev. So those mm-hmm. expectations f- uh, due to his performances in test matches is something that, you know, that plays a part with the expectations that have pe- that, that people have with him in, in, in limited overs cricket. I think he's still not a 10 overs bowler in, uh, in, in white ball, uh, in ODIs, and he's not a 4 overs bowler in, in T20s. But I do feel that getting overs out of him in T20 is far more easier than getting overs out of him in uh, ODI cricket because one, uh, there are four fielders outside in ODIs as opposed to five in, in T20s. Secondly, uh, getting two or three overs out is, is far more easier when, when when the teams lost two or three wickets in the power play than getting six or seven overs out when the teams, you know, set up nicely at the end of, uh, after the 15 over mark where they've just lost two wickets. So, Jadeja with the ball in white ball has to, you know, have more variations only then he'll become probably your go-to bowler or a bowler you can rely upon in, in white ball. As of now, he just needs to be traded as an all-rounder where he's going to bat in the top six and give you a few overs. Yeah, and I think this is a concern from India's perspective as well because we have a lot of defensive T20 bowlers who are not taking wickets. And I think that's what we struggled with in the last T20 World Cup where um, while Varun Chakravarti wasn't doing badly, he just didn't have the runs on the board uh, from the bat- batter's perspective to bowl defensively and get the wickets. He, the batsmen weren't forced to attack him. And and I think it's similar for Jadeja that if uh, unless people need to attack him, he's not really getting too many wickets. Um, so, yeah, I think that, that concern is definitely... Um, that's something that I definitely agree with you. Uh, having said that, so I think the one other question that comes to mind as we discuss... You know, Jadeja, Rohit, and Virat, all these players who are obviously, you know, very classy players, extremely talented professional athletes, is, you know, when do teams make a call of, you know, when do teams make tough calls on these established players who are struggling for a certain period of time? Because, you know, there's the classic cricket cliche, form is temporary, class is permanent, which... uh, uh, funnily, Pajara used on himself a while back. Um, but how do you how do you manage that balance? Because in terms of IPL teams, there's also the brand value. Virat is very closely associated with RCB. Same with Rohit and Mumbai. 
an engineer agency at scale probably not as big but but still it's that's still important considering how big of an india star he is i think a lot of it is 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 because of uh, the results of the team uh, like i don't think pujara and rahane would have been dropped if india had won the series in south africa they would have probably gotten one more series so uh, similarly uh, rohit's always Rohit has never had any uh, any pressure on him as a batter because the teams kept winning. Uh, with Virat, the focus has been so much on his captaincy that people don't realize that in the last two seasons as well, as an uh, as a batter, I think in the last two seasons Virat the batter let the team down more than Virat the captain. The focus was just too much on his captaincy. So uh, when do the teams you know take this call is difficult because like I said it's it's also related to results. and then uh, ipl is also a lot about money uh, even if virat or ms or jadeja or rohit don't give you that much value just in terms of uh, pure cricket or on cricketing merit they give you enough market value for you to earn back your money uh, they give you enough value to get more sponsors they give you enough value to get to sell more tickets and they give you enough value to sell more merchandise that is there for sure so that is something which we on the outside can never calculate that what is that exact value that these players are paid for which is purely for cricket and which is for marketing so this is something that as long as we don't work for a, a franchise we would never know so that is one if you're talking in india perspective i think if akshar patel has a good season jadeja spot in t20s can be in danger but uh, ironically akshar's not had a good season so far with the ball uh, this this time around he's only picked up one one wicket versus rcb and two versus he's only picked up three wickets this ipl in seven games so he but his batting is obviously improved so if if akshar pandya good, has a case kunal's actually done well with the ball but uh, i think uh, what happens is when once you've been in the setup and you've gotten a decent run and then you get dropped then it's it's difficult to make that comeback then you know to make a comeback when you've really not had a go so akshar even though was drafted in the team he's never had uh, a lot of matches he played one game against uh, england in in that t20 series in 2021 he was drafted for the world cup but then he was replaced by shardul so akshar might have a better case if he has a good second half because he's been in and around the team he, he was in the, with the team but then he was released uh you know for personal reasons and he didn't play the series against uh, west indies or sri lanka but he did well versus uh, versus new zealand so if jadeja is not not bringing his weight along if if he doesn't have a good season then we might see uh, akshar replacing him but akshar is akshar is more of a bowling all rounder than a batting all rounder he does give you an assurance of four overs as opposed to what jadeja does but he he can't he, he can be a number 8 or number 7 at best he can't be a number 6 so right with 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 jadeja that that is a concern somewhere but uh, with with virat and uh, rohit like i said after this world cup is when the selectors will take a call on their t20i careers so gurkeer as we as we wrap it up you know kind of tying tying all of this up you know we're going through this phase where three cricketers with you know some beloved fan bases you know they're watching their favorite players struggle for runs wickets taking simple catches um from a fan perspective how do you think 
you know, we need to balance this. I mean, I mean, it's a, I think it's a whole nother topic for another episode, but just in terms of, you know, how much, how, how, how much can fans be justifiably upset that their player is not doing well versus, you know, trying to have a fair understanding of the struggles that a professional athlete can go through at times like this. How do we balance our expectations at times like this when three established cricketers are, you know, are struggling? I think as fans, you need to uh, realize that there are going to be some things that you will not have enough explanations for. Like, I, I didn't have an explanation of Virard's great run between 2016 to 2018 as well, because how do you yeah. explain someone scoring uh, those hundreds in uh, in Perth, in Edgbaston, and in Centurion? Uh, you know, cr- players or great test cricketers want to have once, one, one century like that. But Virat had three of them in one year. And uh, you look at his ODA average that year, I think it was 130 in 2018. How do you explain a 970 kind of an IPL season? You don't. So, as fans, you need to realize that there are going to be instances, both good and bad, for which you won't have any explanations. And uh, right. that, that that's about it. Uh, but I feel some people actually take it too far, wherein, uh, you know, you start attacking their families or spouses or say that this is happening because this player was... Like, in, in Virat's case, this is this is now becoming now becoming a... Maybe it started off as a joke or I don't know. Maybe it started off as a real attack. But to say, uh, you know, the downfall of Virat started only because he took a break for the birth of a birth of a birth of his child or his daughter. Yeah. Something which is a low blow. I I, I don't think any fan should be saying that. I think if you say that you are not even a decent human being, forget being a decent cricket fan. Uh, So there are things that, you know, fans should also understand. And there are a few lines that fans shouldn't cross. And if anyone crosses those lines then fans should be the first one to, you know, uh, to take that up and, you know, criticize such statements because it's also happened with with, with few ex-cricketers saying that and it really reflects quite poorly. So, right. all in all, as fans, you have to realize, like I said, there are a few things you can't explain and there are a few things, bo- few good things you can't explain and few bad things you can't explain. I, I don't think anyone has an explanation to why Ms. Baul Haq played that shot uh, into in the 20, 2007 World T20 to Joginder Sharma. I, I don't think there's any explanation. Yeah. And uh, I don't think anyone has an explanation why MS Dhoni was struggling in the 2011 World Cup until the final. Or why, uh, you know, uh, why why Sachin Tandulkar couldn't replicate what he did in the quarterfinal and the semi-final. Or why Yusuf Pathan struggled for seven matches in a row or six matches in a row. So, there are some things you can't really have an explanation for. And... You have to accept it. It's as simple as that. I mean, you're well said. Uh, the only thing I would add to that is that that is sport. I mean, you have essentially described the essence of sport. And as fans, you know, appreciate... And life. And life, yes. <laughs> appreciate these uh, sports persons uh, for who they are, what they offer, and their skill and talent, because that may not always be there. I mean, someone like Joss Butler, who seems to be in the form of his life, who knows? Maybe next year or the year after, he's going to struggle for runs the same way Virat is now. So he was, he was, he was struggling in Test cricket. Now you look yeah. at him batting like that, <laughs> and you ask someone, and uh, and you tell someone that he couldn't put bat to ball or he couldn't score a run in the Ashes that happened just two months ago. A lot of people won't believe it. 
so yeah. it, it, it it is just like that. Uh, you know, you 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 saw Joe Root scoring so many hundreds in the last year. He scored hundreds in India. He scored hundreds in Sri Lanka. He scored hundreds against India in England, and then in Australia, in ten innings, he couldn't score a century. He looked good, but he couldn't right. score a century. And he's never scored a century a Test match century in Australia. I think now it's been his third or fourth Ashes. Now, how do you explain someone like Joe Root, who has such a good back foot game, who plays the ball so late, never looks rushed, and enjoys the bounce, not having a Test century in Australia? There is no logical cricketing explanation or cricketing merit to that. So, like I said, there are some things that you just can't explain. No one can explain why Virat Kohli has a lesser average in in West Indies than what he does in South Africa. He averages 36 or 37 in West Indies. What is the explanation? There is no explanation. No, no. It's all about just appreciating these players for, you know, for what they offer. And it's frustrating when they're going through struggles like this. And yeah, a big part of us just, we don't want to see them continue to struggle like this, which is probably why, you know, all these calls for him to take a break when there's no strong reasoning that it's going to help. But all we can do is uh, just wait and hope that, uh, you know, these players, you know, again, going back to that cliche, <laughs> form is temporary, class is permanent. So we'll just wait for them uh, to return to their best. But Gurkirat, we have taken uh, enough of your time. I do want to uh, thank you so much for sharing your thoughts. Uh, for our listeners, you can follow Gurkirat on uh, uh, Twitter at Gurkirat as Gil and his YouTube channel, Gilly Cricket. Uh, and you can also check out our show notes. We'll include the link to his Substack called Gurkirat's View. So Gurkirat, thank you again. And uh, we'll, we hope to have you back soon. Thank you so much, Benny. Thank you so much, Mayank. It's always been a pleasure. And uh, it's always good to, you know, talk to, talk to people who, who understand uh, the, the, the minute details of sport and the idiosyncrasies, syncrasies of the sport. Because, uh, sometimes we just get caught up so much into analysis paralysis that even I've been guilty of doing that but you just have to you know admit it that there are a few things that you just can't explain and you have to accept it <laughs> few things be- beyond analysis after a certain point <laughs> thank you for listening to another episode of The Last Wicket this podcast is a Cricket Guys production featuring your host Benny Mayank, Nish, and Himanish. For more details, please visit thelastwicket.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, do let a friend know, rate, and subscribe on your platform of choice. Follow us on your social media feeds and leave us a voice message if you would like to share your thoughts with us. Thank you again for listening, and from all of us here at The Last Wicket, stay safe and stay healthy. Mm-hmm.